It feels weird to say this in January. Okay. But hockey's back, baby. Is it norm- not normally in January? No, it usually starts in October. But because of the times that we are in, mm-hmm. the playoffs went into, I, I'm trying to remember now, I think it was until September, or maybe early October. And so they had a couple months break. And, uh, and then they kind of started training camps on like January 1st. And then they started. It was, it's been nice. I mean, my Canucks have not been doing well out the gate. Um, but what I'm really excited about this year, and for those who aren't hockey fans, I'm very sorry for you. And Thank you. I will pray for your soul. Thank you. And for your redemption. Thank you. You Wait, wait. You watch hockey during the playoffs when the Penguins are in them. Yes, I have been known to do this. Yes. So you 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 have a moderate fandom very moderate <laughs> okay compared to football compared to your your engagement with your football pool where would hockey where, how would you relate hockey i'm to definitely that? more engaged with football purely because of my priest group that does a fantasy football league yeah. um so at least i look at numbers of certain players uh every week <laughs> uh, i watched i think the only steelers game i watched this year was uh the last steelers uh browns game and that was that was a rough one. So yeah, <laughs> where it was like yeah, every like the Browns didn't even have like their whole team right or something like that. I don't know. I don't really watch football, so it was it was a big mess. Uh, and at least yeah. there was like we were having our end of the year kind of get together. Uh, so at least there was food and conversations and stuff. Um, but there is nothing quite like watching a Steelers game with a bunch of Yinzers. There's there's nothing quite like it. It's not it's not just watching a football game with fans of a football team. It's like this next level thing where even those who like aren't super Pittsburghies, they kind of lean into it. You know, it's like uh, like um, my mom, she grew up in like upper New York uh, state. And whenever she goes back home, she gets a little bit more of that accent to her. It's the same sort of deal with any kind right. of Pittsburgher is watching Steelers football. You get a little more yinzer in your voice. So that was entertaining. Right. Okay. So here's, okay. Actually, just as a little side, I think what I want to do, God willing, I can actually like, come to the United States in November. Mm-hmm. I want to come to the state. I want to come to Pittsburgh in November, so that I can compare watching a football game with the Inzers and watching a Penguins game with the Inzers. Okay, as long as we don't go to a football game live, I would never do that. No, but we can go to a hockey game live. That would be okay. That would be Penguins games are fun live. Steelers games. And I've never actually seen Sidney Crosby. Oh no, no, no! Sorry, that's not true. That is actually not true. I did see him. I went. I actually got lucky i have some friends who work for upper deck and i got free tickets to the all-star game a few years ago Ooh. so i did do i went to, i went to the all-star game in san jose a few years ago so i actually have seen Sidney crosby live but not in like a real game we all know all-star games aren't real games true right so anyways uh but what i'm really excited about with this hockey season is that for the first time ever and probably for the only time because of the borders being closed and different rules and regulations about coming in and out of different countries with the with the pandemic we have a canadian division which means all seven Canadian teams, all they're doing for the entire season is playing each other. Okay. It's going to be so much. It's going to be the rivalries that are going to build in this are going to be amazing. Everyone's going to know each other's team so well. They're going to get it under each other's skin so much. It's going to be like, we're just a few weeks into it. Everyone's still feeling it out partially because uh, training camp is usually like a few weeks long and you have exhibition games to kind of get a sense of how the team's going to work. We had like a week and then 
you start playing games. So teams are, it's the same thing we've been with the NBA. They had like a week and then they started playing games. So everyone's still kind of feeling things out a bit. Um, and how do you do uh, playoffs yeah. if you're not going to play teams from the US? So I th- what they're doing right now, and I think the I think they're also on the impression that probably by the sum, by probably by the time the playoffs come around, it'll be easier to travel, um, which is probably a reasonable assumption. And if it's not, they might work out a bubble system. But for the first two rounds of the playoffs, it's actually intra divisional anyway. So every division is only playing within its division this year. Gotcha. So like the Crosby and Ovechkin are playing each other like eight or nine times this year. Which is actually makes for a really fun hockey. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so um, I believe if I remember right, it's the first two rounds are interdivisional, and then they and then all the divisions either they come together for a playoff. So either they'll travel or they'll create a bubble again for that if it's still an issue. But I'm optimistic it won't be an issue by the time those playoffs come around. All right. So yeah, so I'm just I don't know. I I, I it, it brings a little a little joy into life Father Harrison hockey. your joy brings me joy joy brings you joy yes I know yes and with that I want to welcome everyone to Clerically Speaking I'm Father Harrison I'm Father Anthony and I'm glad you have joy Father Harrison because I have a lot of sadness okay. uh oh this is a sad time of year okay for the fellas okay for guys okay for dudes yeah for bros alright and we've talked before, you know, um, that men and women are different, right? We have different Correct. struggles, different crosses, different graces. Um, there's complementarity in that, equal dignity in that, both made in the image and likeness of God. But there is a certain kind of pain that women will simply never understand. Okay. And it happens around this time of year for guys. Okay. We have too many pockets. Okay. Way too many pockets. I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like ten pockets when I leave the door for my rectory. Uh huh. I've got pants pockets. I got sweater pockets. I got coat pockets. Okay. And it, no woman will ever know the pain, the difficulty in trying to find your keys when you have ten pockets on you. Okay. It's very distressing. They'll just have a. They'll just have their purse. Yeah, that's one big pocket. That's easy. Why not? Why not have a purse? If I, that would just add to the problem. Okay. Listen, listen. Society forces me to have this many pockets. Okay. I can't just go outside and not have pockets. Yeah, but your 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 whole mo is to like go against society. Hey, I'm a victim of the patriarchy, just like everyone else is. <laughs> okay. okay? <laughs> I don't choose to wear pockets. Society forces me to wear these pockets. So, where's my phone? Maybe I think I have it, because I have, what, I have 10 pockets. Okay. My phone's got to be in one of those pockets, but what if it's not? So, I pat down all my pockets. I think I have it. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. There's anxiety. There's mm-hmm. doubt. There's confusion. There's a lack of control in my life. Where's my phone? Where's my wallet? Where's my keys? Mm-hmm. What if, what if I've got uh, my little vial of uh, anointing of the sick oil? Which yeah. pocket is that in? Can't find it. That's why you keep have to it check in the like car? three times, and then it turns out it's in my car. It's in my car pockets. Yeah. Oh, wait. So, also known as a glove compartment pocket. <laughs> so that's, that's a pocket now? Yeah, absolutely. But isn't a pocket by definition on your person? I don't, I've never <laughs> parsed out the definition of pockets. I think it's a car pocket, it's the pocket of a car. Um, and it's just, I, it's been really, it's been really a rough few weeks now that the cold weather has set in, and I just have trouble locating all of my, my items. And I just would like 
um, and I brought this up to some of my female friends, mm-hmm. and um, it was disappointing because I was expecting empathy from them. Mm-hmm. I was expecting some kind of understanding. And care. Instead, they mocked me. Mm-hmm. They derided me. Yes, and asked you why you don't have a purse. No, they didn't do that. They just dismissed <laughs> my pain outright, mm-hmm. Father Harrison. Mm-hmm. It hurt my feelings. So, I'm I'm sorry you went through that. Thank you. Uh, but I just want you. I did look up what is the definition of pocket. Okay. okay. A small bag sewn into or on clothing so as to form part of it used to, for carrying small articles. So a car pocket is not real. I'm a little offended that you're trying to uh, correct uh, a minute definition. And and that's just a defense mechanism you're using to ignore my pain. <laughs> because I feel like you feel this pain as well. And I don't want you to block it out. I don't want you to sublimate it somewhere else, Father Harrison. No, because... This is a tough season for the for the fellas, for the dudes, it's for not the bros. Because as someone with ADHD, I've just learned to put things in my, you know, in my vision so that I remember it. So that's what I just do. I just don't lose Do you have things. glasses pockets? How does that work? That I makes no I, sense. I don't, I don't wear glasses. So where do you keep your... Which one of your 10 pockets do you keep your keys in? I put them on the counter so that I see them when I'm leaving. But what happens when you leave? I put them in my side, my right side pocket. But what if you make a mistake? Sorry, not everyone can be as perfect as you. I'm not Sometimes perfect. I put trust it in my left me. side pocket. I'm not perfect. What I if was, you put it in? Like I grab my wallet and I don't yes. feel like sitting on my wallet in the car, so I throw okay. it in a pocket. I can't remember what pocket it is. Here's where I can. I'm empathize. at the drive-through. No, no, you're gonna listen. You're gonna listen. <laughs> I throw my wallet in one of my pockets because I'm out the door. I need to get McDonald's, mm-hmm. and then I drive up to to pay mm-hmm. because I pay. I don't steal my food. I don't know what they do in Canada, but I don't steal my fast food. Right. And I have to search through 10 pockets while sitting down, which makes the whole process even more difficult. And it's awkward for me. It's awkward for for the cashier. Yeah. And it's just been a very tough time. So, okay, but I'm just, I'm confused. Like, you don't just keep your wallet in the same pocket, like, no matter what pair of pants you're wearing. Why are you trying to fix this problem? I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just trying to, I'm trying trying to fix it. I'm trying to understand it. I feel like I feel like I'm not being heard. Well, um, <laughs> I got nothing, man. <laughs> I just got, I got nothing. I don't know how to. I don't know how to answer this. Just, I'm just saying, just, ladies, listen to the podcast. Well, just pray for the fellas. So okay? also though, also though, I'm in, I'm in a pretty nice climate. I don't have to deal with winter, so this really isn't Wait. an issue for me. But it snows there all the time. You should know this better than anyone else. It, I, we haven't had snow all year here. And we never have snow here. We have snow here like once a year. Maybe you know, if we're I lucky. Talk, if we're lucky. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Okay, you're not, you're not, you know willing, I'm just being about? more and more hurt. Okay, fine. fine. You're just we're hurting going, me more. We are going to go into digital pockets known as tweets in the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. And this one is from Jake, at Jake of Online, uh, co-host of the former great and wonderful 
Spicy Nugs Podcast. Correct. Yes. R.I.P. R.I.P. in peace indeed. Uh, My hottest take is that people who drink coffee are weak-willed. First, just before I even comment, before I even comment, it's so much fun to watch his comments because, um, and he actually even replies with this because it's like, uh, if you know Jake, as as a as a as a mutual follower of his, I would just say true. You are right, but everyone's like, you know, all those sorts of reactions. Um, but no, I do what Jake is right here. It is for the weak willed, just like Grace is for the weak willed. Mm-hmm. So why is that a is that a bad thing? I don't think so. I actually think that means coffee is an absolute necessity of life mm. because because of our weakness we need the super abundant uh gift of caffeine to wake us up and motivate us for our days and so yes we are weak-willed we are we we do struggle to do things during the day we do struggle to get motivated and we drink it because we need the sweet sweet nectar of coffee to get us through the day so Jake is absolutely right. It's just, it's not a bad thing because just as grace is not a bad thing because we are weak in our nature. So coffee is not a bad thing because we are weak in our nature. Yes. In our weakness, uh, coffee makes us strong. And Amen. this is, you know, we, we have both talked many times about enthusiasm uh, for the bean juice on mm-hmm. this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a difficult thing because uh, it's not just the caffeine. Sometimes coffee is straight up medicine for me. Right. right. This is you know this is just a fact. But oftentimes it's something like the whole ex- experience I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's tricky. Like how much of that enjoyable experience is because of a caffeine addiction and bad wiring in my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also like I enjoy like my brother. He roasts coffee beans. I get fresh coffee and beans. He does, I get my he does espresso a, machine. He does a good job. He actually does. It's like super legit. Yeah. So just it's a it becomes a ritual in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, becomes almost a kind of liturgy, to be honest. Right. I think drinking so coffee is, makes you more spiritual. Right. So is Jake saying liturgy is a bad thing? That's what I'm hearing. It sounds like it. I mean, by the transitive property, I yeah. believe uh, uh, Jake is. Um, I I, I don't, I'm not gonna call it heresy because we had the whole discussion last episode, but it's troubling. It's it is troubling. troubling. It's concerning. Mm-hmm. It may be worth calling his bishop about it and perhaps yeah. uh, and getting his bishop to invite him in for a discussion. Yeah. We, uh, we discussion have to remember. Over coffee, maybe. Yeah. You know, you know, for, you know, a lot of people give up coffee over Lent. Mm-hmm. Perhaps Jake will have to take up coffee for Lent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think that would be a good idea. Yeah. Cool. That's all I have to say. Yeah, no, no, it was cool. great. Um, so, this is a tweet from Father Shrank. Uh, some, some prefacing to this tweet. Uh, right now, in your churches, probably in your parishes, if they're doing things, yes, your parishes are already thinking about Lent and Holy Week. Mm-hmm. So, we have our Ash Wednesday schedule. We'll be doing our Holy Week schedule next week, figuring that out. And uh, some of the priests uh, are trying to figure out how shall we distribute ashes in this time of pandemic, mm-hmm. there's been talk about uh, sprinkling ashes on mm-hmm. top of the head, like they do in Rome, which I'm very for. But some of uh, the priests are using their liturgical imaginations to try to figure out. That sounds dangerous. Um, uh, both pastoral and um, creative ways to distribute ashes. 
And so he shared a little screenshot of some of the discussion. And I'll just read some of them. Uh, one of the ideas is just get somebody who is vaccinated, put a lot of ashes on their forehead, and then they will just kind of headbutt everybody who comes up in line. <laughs> right? No transmission. Uh-huh. You get the ashes on your forehead. Um, there's also just instead of using water and ash to like mix the uh, stuff, yeah. just use Purell. Just pour a bunch of Purell, pour a bunch of ash in there. So you get sanitized and you get ashes on there. That's a great idea. And maybe the best one uh, for liturgy, and it depends on the architecture of your church, as we know that architecture is very important in liturgy. But hopefully your church uh, has ceiling fans, in which case you simply put a lot of ashes on the ceiling fans. You turn them on and the ashes go everywhere. And just you play uh, uh, Pope Francis's uh, statement that he wants everyone to go make a mess in the church, <laughs> which I think is beautiful. It's in line with the papacy. It's uh, kind of a call to evangelization to not be afraid to go out there. The ashes get on everybody. There's no contact involved. Um, and I think that's beautiful. So just uh, I, I appreciate the creativity of my brother priests. They, they're only coming up with these ideas because they care. Right. Um, first, I love how kind of spicy we get when we do later night recordings. This is great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like I like the ceiling fan idea. This is a good one. Um, I yeah. Oh, I, I was almost thinking like, is there a way if you had like a, a spurgery with a hat? Oh no no, you know those big like some like in Eastern Europe they use like these massive branches for yeah with holy water. Just like dump a bunch of ash on there and just go around the church, just throwing yeah. it at people, you know. There you go. Mm -hmm. Or there's gotta be. Uh, <gasps> you have a massive bowl of ashes and you okay. hold a snowblower, and as people are walking uh, up, they walk mm -hmm. in front of it, and the, the ashes just blow right on you. Yep. Very potential. And, it, and it'd be, and it'd also be a lot of fun to use a snowblower. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And I mean, and that's why you have paid janitorial staff. Yep, <laughs> because they're, they're, they are not busy enough purifying all of our buildings every day. They could use a little bit more work, right, and I right. think that would be good, you know? So, okay, okay. So for those who don't know, or let's, let's use this as a little educational moment now. So for those who don't okay. know, uh, Rome kind of put a little decree about Ash Wednesdays, about around the pandemic and everything, and, we, you know, perhaps uh, imposing ashes on the forehead is not the best idea right now. Mm. And actually, if you do some research... From the bits I've, I've I've learned is that the whole idea of imposing ashes on the forehead is a bit of a North American invention. In other words, it's Americanism again, rearing its <laughs> ugly head, rearing its ugly head. Uh, the traditional way is to sprinkle it on the crown of your head for a few reasons, right? Uh, one is um, that's the whole point. Like if you read scripture, ashes are poured on you right so this is meant to be a symbol of that it's again it's a symbol it's not like you have to pour ashes on you but it's a symbol uh secondly yeah actually what it's a bit more messy you can't just go home and take a face cloth and wipe it off you actually have to like take a shower to get it all out or at least wash your hair or something like that right um the third reason is what what do we do to infants or anyone who's to be baptized um be um with chrism oil usually right like or actually infants sorry what do we do with infants when they're about to be baptized or after they've been baptized yeah we put chrism on their forehead uh, no not on their forehead on the crown of their head well whatever you wait you put it on the forehead that kind of yeah yeah oh i don't put it on top of their heads yo no i've always been told crown 
Okay. Do my uh, baptism still count? Man, this is where we need someone like Father Alec around right now because he'd be able to give us the definitive answer on this. Uh, I've always just been under the impression it was on the crown of the head. I don't think this is a big deal. Well, no. Well, I had this whole thing, like the whole idea you get crowned, you get anointed with the chrism on the crown of your head, and that's where you're anointed as priest, prophet, and king. But in that sure. in that role... But in my mind, the crown doesn't rest on the top of your head. It's no. this loop, and it rests like kind no, of on around the right. uh, forehead, around the back. That's where the crown rests. That's obviously what the crown of the fore- oh, crown of the head means. No. No. I mean, my explanation makes way more sense. No, if it, it's just like if basic... it's on top of your head, that'd be the hat of your forehead. But we all know what crowns look like. There's these like loops. No, the back, the yeah. back. No, no, it's basic biology on the back. It's the crown. The crown's on top. No, the, no that doesn't the, make sense. Crowns rest crown. kind no, of on your no. forehead. You're thinking, uh, no, no, that's not what we You're mean by thinking top. of hats. No, no, no. We're, I'm thinking of the, the the technical biological term is the crowns on the back of the head. Okay, you can go to your science for liturgy. I'm going to good old-fashioned Christian symbolism. So whatever, agree or disagree. <laughs> but what was your actual point? Well, the whole idea was that if, since you're anointed there with chrism, having the ashes sprinkled there is a way of saying, I have not fulfilled my mission as priest, prophet, and king. And so it also becomes symbolic that way. That's a little obviously personal thing because apparently it's not universally known what the crown of the head means so um yeah some people obviously have it wrong <laughs> yeah exactly some people do apparently huh see the thing is like i really <laughs> want to do the sprinkling of ashes on the head yeah because the the symbol has been totally corrupted uh yeah. in churches in 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 places now where it, getting your ashes is a symbol of pride yeah um people i think a motivation for many people not all people is to show that they are a good catholic Right. Uh, or that they are part of the Catholic club. Um, you have to get your ashes right away. Um, our churches are filled with people who want ashes. Mm-hmm. And while on some level, I'm glad that there is a desire to be recognized as a part of this church. I think there's something good in that. Mm-hmm. Um, what would happen if people don't get that, uh, those ashes on their forehead? Um, would they be angry about it? I think they would be. Oh, well, you'd be and surprised. I think might be good. Ash Wednesday is one of the... Uh... In some ways, I always find it more, it, at least culturally, it's more popular than Easter in some ways. In some ways. In some ways, right? Like, it's really unique. There's Catholics less anxiety. And it's not even a holy day of obligation. It's so funny because there's so less funny. anxiety about going to Easter Mass than there is about getting your ashes. Like, no, we don't, we don't. I lament People Ash will... Wednesday more than I lament Easter Sunday. Like, people will call saying, okay, what time do they give out ashes? Well, right. like, the mass starts at this time. No, yeah, but what time do they give out the yeah, ashes? Yeah. What point right. of the mass can I pop in for the distribution of ashes? <laughs> Just like, pop no, in no, no. get some ashes. Uh-uh. There's no, the door's going to be locked when there. mass starts. And if you're yeah. not in, you're not getting you're not getting ashes. Too bad. <laughs> so I think that would be a good yeah. uh, teaching moment for yes. the Well, we, we, again, so, and then there are those places where you're closed. Like, we, I have a, fe- I have a feeling we probably still will be by that point, which in some, you know, I know it's hard, and I'm actually I'm getting tired of preaching at a camera, to be honest. Um, Yo, it's the worst I remember. And I, you know, and the people really want to come back, but you know, we want to do what we can for the common good and yet and stuff and like that. But um, if we are open for then, then like if we're restricted to fifty people still, how do I get everyone in for Ash Wednesday? I can't. I can't. It's gonna be tough. I can't. I literally can't fit everyone in. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. We'll find out in two weeks if we're open or not. So, 
and then if that'll add a whole other stress to things but we'll see drive by ashes that's what you gotta do but i am a i am a fan of the sprinkling i've always wanted to do the sprinkling so now rome has uh made it easier to do and i'm very i'm very grateful to the holy father for this yes and it makes your homily super easy because you know what you're gonna preach on why you know uh the symbolism of sprinkling on the head um, the yeah. need to realize, like, if you're upset that people aren't going to see your ashes, that's a good question. Why would you be upset by that? Exactly. Um, there's a lot of good preaching material there. Yeah. So I hope that's what we do because I think that'll be great. Amen. Well, let's uh, let's let's go into our good old presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral. Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Oh, yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. All right. So I'm gonna try my best here to see how I can get these words out. Um, it's not gonna be catechetical at all, or maybe a little bit at the end. I mean, it's always a little catechetical, I guess, but. Um, I've been in a pretty bad funk the last month. You've made reference to this on the show. I have. Uh, it's taken me a while to realize it. I was like, it was hard to be motivated. It was hard to do anything. It was hard to clean. It was hard to pray. It was hard. I felt overwhelmed just wanting even to look at my emails or anything. And it wasn't because of busyness. Uh, life is a bit slower right now because of closures and stuff like that. So it wasn't had any, nothing to do with busyness. It was the funk. And I was like, huh, what's this all about? And, it, and I'll be honest. I think the reason it caught me off guard for a while and a while it took me a while. Well, there's a few reasons. A, I'm starting to realize more and more, again, as an extrovert, I really do get energy from being around people. So uh, not having that a lot right now has made life difficult um, to have those normal social encounters that would give me life. So that's one thing. The second thing is, though, the reason it caught me off guard is because, and now I, I don't want to make everything we always talk about the pandemic or anything like that, but I do want to mention a little bit about it because when we first, and, is, and I, I want to say this because I think um, when we mentioned this a few months ago on the show, or sorry, Father Anthony mentioned this a few months ago on the show, and, and his words have not left me, which is a good thing. It's a, it's, it's a, this is a good thing about how perhaps when at the beginning we weren't listening enough and... Um, and I look back and I realize like I hadn't really gone through the spiritual difficulties of this time. Things were pretty good for me for a long time, but they weren't in December. Now I'm not talking about like crisis of faith or anything like that. Uh, Cause like I, that would take a lot for me. <laughs> it's <laughs> to be honest, again, hope is my natural um, for theological virtue, if you will. Like it's the one I, I tend towards the most. So I I wasn't worried about that. I didn't, and I didn't really worry this time. But it was like it was tough to get going in the mornings. I think part of it was I was like, for example, like I just said, I'm tired of preaching to cameras. I really am. Listen, streaming is a good thing. I'm going to continue to do it because a lot of people find benefit of it, and I will not stop doing it. And I'm grateful, and I and I'm grateful to the parishioners who have donated to make this happen and stuff. So I'm not going to stop it. I'm just tired of it. <laughs> if that makes sense, I'm tired of preaching to cameras. It, it, I think it's a good thing. Like it's showing us these are good things, but they have limitations. Okay. So I'm tired of that. I don't really have, and I'm trying to be pretty careful 
around all of this. So I don't really have the opportunity. Like we're really like the government's really just saying, do not interact with people right now unless you have to for work or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now granted as a priest, I have work and stuff like that, but I'm actually wanting to do my part. Uh, cases are going up on the island. So I'm kind of, you know, I want to make sure not just for my sake, but for the sake of my parishioners. I don't want to go into someone's home who's sick or is dying of something bring the communion and then uh, their spouse gets COVID because I was a you know vector or something like that. So I want to be careful. So, I, But that means limiting pastoral activity. And that's hard. You start to realize, well, like you're ordained to be a priest, which means you're not just, yeah, like that's something that's like, we, we always like to use the phrase like ontological change, right? Like it, it's something you are really and truly. It's not something you do. It's something you are. But at the same time, the activity is important to that. And pastoral activity has been not a whole lot lately. And it's been hard to figure out what to do or how to do things. I've got some ideas and I'm probably going to do some more online content for people, which I don't mind doing. But like for me, the joys of pastoral activity is like going to someone's house and having a cup of coffee or, or going out for a meal or whatever. And, and, and it's been really hard to do those things. Um, because I think it's really important. The priest is in a parish is the first example of how we ought to be dealing in this time, right? So, so there was all that, and then just the slowness of Christmas time. Like we were closed for Christmas, which was okay. And I wasn't like, and it, it's funny. Like I call it, and I, I do call it a funk on purpose because I know there's a lot of people who struggle with depression. Um, and it's I've had a few bouts of that in my life, and I not not a ton though. And I'm hesitant to use the phrase not because I doubt it, but rather. I know how serious it is. I don't want to make light of it, if that makes sense, right? Um, so, yeah, we're close for Christmas, obviously. So, you know, you're just saying your Christmas masses to a camera. We did our best to decorate the church. Um, but you feel you feel a little lifeless as right now, to be honest. And when you feel lifeless, it's easy to just sit in front of the computer and browse for a while or watch too much and like i'll be honest i watched way too much basketball in the last week of december for example right i watched way too much of it and i know that and it wasn't good for me but it was like it was just hard to do stuff so i say all this so you know and it's it's not been fun it's it seems to be finally like slowly coming to an end which is nice and we all always pray that these are just seasons they're not a lifelong thing it seems to be slowly coming i'm able like i spent a couple hours yesterday doing some pretty hardcore cleaning around the rectory which is good and and slowly motivating myself to doing some more. But it was a crappy month. It was probably the worst month of the year. And that's not fun. At all. But I say all this because at the same time, I started to experience some of perhaps the spiritual and anxious, if you will, experiences that a lot of people have gone through this last year. And I started to understand some of the reactions people have had to different things. Now, I didn't have those reactions, but it's like, yeah, the anxieties of how is my parish going to make the bills this month, even. <laughs> this is a very real concern this com- this month we're in right now. Um, you know, this I got I to gotta figure that out. That's a real anxiety um, because that's my responsibility to try and figure out how to make that all work. Um but just also like I'm t- I'm so tired of being isolated, and it's not loneliness. I, I I'm very grateful. I haven't felt a loneliness, but I have felt isolated. Um, 
um, someone brought that up once. I was like, that's a great way. Isolated, not lonely. But you're just tired of it all. And so you, I, 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 like those temptations come up to say, well, do what? Screw it all. We're just going to do this, this, and this, and I'm done with the pandemic. And to just kind of say, I, I've finished it all. And I didn't do that. But the temptations came. And it started to help me understand like the different varying reactions and why people maybe had different reactions over this last year for different reasons. I don't agree always with the reactions or the decisions sometimes, but I understand it a lot better. Like it, it, it developed in me an empathy and it's, it's opened my heart and my soul to do, to be a lot more patient with people on the different variety of things. I want to go into that a bit too, but you know, I'll just shut up cause I've been monologuing for a bit. Yeah. I think it's important. Um, uh... Because <sighs> um, this is a thing that affects everybody, but it's going to affect everybody different ways. Right. Um, even to like what part of the country you're in. Um, it's it's been kind of weird around where I'm at because even though numbers are, are higher in the U.S., we still kind of keep opening things up mm-hmm. uh, and doing things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I definitely felt that funk the first few weeks. And I remember distinctly going to mass, seeing that camera in front of me and just being like, ugh this yep. <laughs> you know like i said we're like happy that we're able to do something for people right um but yeah it's not the same i'm sure many people have logged on <laughs> to their parish website or to youtube and looked at online masses and go this is the best we got right now right yeah yeah um uh but i've also been kind of blessed in that uh i've been able like i've got a small circle of people that i'm able that we've decided to see we don't kind of do anything else mm-hmm. other than that um uh, so that's been been nice mm-hmm. um it's interesting um this is a thing that can happen as well a lot of times if we can downplay funks uh in the sense that like uh this is something that i i fall into because i've had like years of major depression i've had really difficult times um and so when i go through just a regular funk i feel like oh well i mean could be worse mm-hmm that doesn't mean it's not bad, you know? Right. You can downplay kind of what you're going through, and if you don't address those things, then uh, it's still bad. So, and I guess the one thing that uh, I have learned through my um, difficulties with either funks or depression or that kind of thing, um, it took me a long time to learn how to be merciful to myself in those moments mm-hmm. and how to not beat myself up in those moments. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of practice to be like, yeah been a bad week mm-hmm. yeah i've been a bad month but it doesn't mean i'm a horrible trash garbage person right and jesus still loves me mm-hmm. and no i didn't pray today but i can pray tomorrow i'm gonna mm-hmm. do that right you know uh just that kind of mindset and attitude and uh can make things just a lot more uh tolerable um but yeah uh depending on what part of the country you're in uh and mm-hmm. what's going on uh sometimes you feel like you've missed the emotional boat like some people were kind of easy with lockdowns and shutdowns. They were comfortable financially and mm-hmm. like, eh. Or, and then maybe now they're like, wow, I just really need to see people. And I'm very introverted. Uh, mm-hmm. People are surprised by that, but I really am. Uh, but I still get a lot of life from being around my close friends. Right. Uh, it's still very important to me. Uh, I'm very introverted, but also, what was it? It just happened last week because, um, yes, things have slowed down around after Christmas and everything. But I had a whole day where I just had a bunch of priest stuff to do. Mm-hmm. I had anointings and funerals it's not like i'm happy that people are dying or sick right. but i get to be who i am yeah i think it's the same sort of thing when um you know uh parents have to go away on a business trip um it's not that they hate 
doing the business trip or it's not like they stop being a parent, but they miss doing things with their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the same sort of, it's, it's similar at the very least, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and I think this is the kind of, one of the deeper things you're getting at. Uh, this is precisely why the Lord, one of the reasons why the Lord allows us to go through stuff, um, to kind of take away feelings of peace and this sort of thing. Uh, so that we don't dismiss other people's uh, pain so much. Right. Um, and there's a whole bunch of mystery in that because, right. <laughs> but one of the good things that comes out of it is that we're able to be more merciful to others. So those are my thoughts. I mean, yeah. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I've never, and again, this is perhaps, uh, we all have our um, excesses and my excess is always like, well, yeah, but God still loves me and I'm good. And I, and it's true, but it can excuse things too easily sometimes. If you know yeah. what I mean? Well, if you go yeah, to the yeah. opposite extreme of God hates me, well, then it's so hard for God to actually to actually let his love and forgiveness to heal you. So, like, they're both – like, in both cases, it's actually very hard to let God's mercy to actually heal you. Because, yeah. oh, yeah, he's just going to heal me, but he doesn't, like, call you to account. While on the other end, you hold yourself to such an account that you can't actually hear God call you, right? So you or, – Or not even, like, yeah. God's going to heal me and you're not holding yourself to account for, like, things that you've done. Yeah. It also is, like, you can ignore the wounds. Yeah. And you end up never bringing them to God because you're like, oh, it's going to go away. God's going to fix right. it. Right. Uh, and it's our way of hiding from the fact that, hey, stuff is bad right now and stuff hurts right now. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I've always been of the mind like – and this is where I, I, I get I get hesitant sometimes in the sense of, you know, wounds, are, it's important to acknowledge them. But they might not always be healed, right? <laughs> but God's grace and love still works in and through that wound, right? So, But you need to acknowledge that for that to happen right like i mean if maybe uh, heal isn't always the best word but transfigured yes turned yes. into something um for his glory and for his benefits and something that does not destroy you but god's grace shines through i can't remember if i've ever talked about it on here or not but i, I always have a divine mercy sunday homily on this uh it's and it's all around the idea that they only recognize jesus through his wounds uh, which is a very powerful thing to pray over right but that his wounds are actually the place of his glory. The very thing of scandal is also the, at the same time, the thing of his glory. And so it is for us as Christians who are his body. The things that we think we cannot be loved in is actually the very place that God loves us the most and that God wants us to let it shine out. Right. So that's why I'm not like afraid to talk about even stuff like this. And like, you know, I'm not going to go into everything obviously, but it's like, it's important to say like, yeah, this is what we're going through. And it's okay to say that, because God's grace works in this. And that's important to keep in mind. And that's what gives me, honestly, that's what gives me hope is to realize, yeah, no, he's still working. He's still here. He's still going to draw me closer to him. He's not going to abandon me as long as I just need to work through this. And he's going to use this. And I'm going to offer this to him to use for his glory, right? So that, you know, the parishioners maybe who are feeling alone or abandoned right now, I can, you know, he's going to use that for them, etc. So it's definitely given me a lot more sense of um, empathy, which is a good thing on that regard. And it's kind of forced me to start asking a different question because sometimes I'll get emails or phone calls or whatever from friends, family, parishioners about things that I might not always agree. like. Their their position is not something I'm, I would necessarily agree with, or might even like um, be diametrically opposed to. But I've been asking myself this question. And again, it kind of comes from our discussion many, many months ago around this. And I think it's an important one because it is going to tie. I hope it kind of just ties it all together. This experience 
has got me to start asking people a question to say like, okay, this is, this is why I agree or don't agree with you, but I want to act. And I don't think we're going to be able to have a conversation around this because I think we're too far apart, but we, here's what I think we can have a conversation around. Why do you care about this so much? Like in the sense of like, what, what spiritual thing are you concerned about in behind all this? What's going on in your soul that makes you want to really invest a lot of time and energy into this question? And that's a good question to ask. And I've seen fruit of it. And it also tears down a lot of the normal, like you, you kind of go back and forth to the point where anger gets up and, and breaks and, and then you, the, everything just falls apart, right? Instead, it tears down the defenses and enters into the heart. And I don't know if I would have been able to ask that question six months ago. I probably would have kept it too intellectual. And again, the intellectual side is not bad or a wrong thing. Um, and I and I'm a person like personally, I'm I'm heart oriented in general, actually. But for whatever reason, I was blind to this because I hadn't gone through some of those experiences. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Now it's open me to ask that question of people, and I've been finding it a helpful point of dialogue. Yeah, and, and um, like for example, so this is purely theoretical because I have nothing to do with any of my church uh, decorations or flowers, and we normally do a nice job. But let's say that uh, somebody uh, decorates the church in a certain way, and I make the decision as a priest that we're using a different flower mm -hmm. company, and they freak the heck out. Uh, you have all examples of this in, in yeah. parish life or um, whatever other thing, like something you you don't understand, you think is small, you think is dumb, but someone else has a very strong reaction to it. Yeah. The temptation is always to be like, well, this is stupid. Um, but whatever that thing that is going on means something deep to that person. And maybe they don't even realize it. Yeah. I've been called out for stuff uh, before. I remember... Um, uh, in minor seminary, we started recording our uh, daily masses and sending them to Catholic radio. And I freaked out about this. I hated it. Mm -hmm. And I remember just like, just freaking out about it. I went to uh, my rector and I just said, this is, this is terrible. We can't be doing this, blah, blah, blah. And he looks at me very confused and he's like, mass is a public action. Why is this bothering you so much? And the reason was because I felt like once again, I was being looked at, judged or something. You know, in seminary, you're very much under um, the microscope as far as formation. It seemed like mass was kind of my safe place. And now that safe place was being made mm, public. And right. I was struggling with being a public person and what that means. Right. So even though my reaction, just on paper, like that makes no sense. Mass is a public thing anyway. Who cares if it goes on the radio? Uh, and like 40 old ladies listen to it in the morning. Why does that bother you? There was something deeper and more real behind that. Uh, and so it's a good way to also even check ourselves mm -hmm. that when all of a sudden you have a strong reaction to something, uh, which on paper shouldn't be that big a deal, there is something real going on there. Whether or not your reaction is quote unquote appropriate. Yeah. And so, and I think this is like a, a helpful tool in general. I think when if someone's saying something to you that really ires you or really kind of Maybe if it's in the moment, just say, do what? I can't talk about this right now. I need to, I'll, I'll get back to you tomorrow about this. Mm -hmm. 
and then pray about this, but ask yourself this question. Cause I've been, I don't know. I've just been finding it a very helpful question in so many regards pastorally. And it's, just, I, I think this is how we grow in maturity as priests personally, and as human beings in general is how do you approach these questions differently? Um, and how do you approach people differently in all this? Um, and so, you know, yeah, just approach it differently and say like, yeah, like what's really going on here? What, what's, what's, what are you afraid of? What are you, what are you, like, are you worried that God is uh, abandoning us? <laughs> you know, that might be a very real thing. Um, the, I mean, the whole gamut is, is possible there. But it also then opens up the heart to listening more. So that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, just say, so these kind of conversations cannot happen online. Right. Or it's very, 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 very rare that that's even the possibility. Yeah. But the thing is, because a question like that, like what's really going on, or help me understand why you feel this way, that is a question where you're inviting the other person to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing something that has, uh, uh, in a platform that is public, de facto has, an, has an audience, yeah. um, it's never going to be that way. Right. So the conversation can't be real, can't be vulnerable in that way. Um, because you're always worried about the audience. And so it's just going to entrench people more in the facades of what they're saying instead of the deeper things of what they're feeling. Right. Uh, someone asked me, like, they were very concerned about this person and what they were posting. And they're like, do you have any advice? I said, my one bit of advice is have this conversation in person. Right. Do not respond. Yeah. Via a post because that's not going to make it easier. Exactly. Exactly. No. No. And I would agree with that. I think. I mean. I think sometimes there are ways, but it's like, yeah, you have to go into a DM or something like that, where it is um, more private. Um, but you know, I say all this for a few reasons. A. So like, I've recognized like, and I, I've texted Father Anthony about this too. Like, I'm like, I have felt off my game with podcasting the last six weeks or so <laughs> and i think sometimes on my end my content has shown for that and or even my engagement in in discussion with the podcast and stuff i've been putting off organizing stuff and everything and just like it's not it has nothing to do with the podcast it's just been more hey this is what's been going on with me and it's not fun it's not it's it's but it's it is what it is right so uh and when that happens it can be easier to be dismissive or not engaged or judgmental or whatever and so if you know if if it's come off you know that way at all to people who listen uh, i do apologize about that because i just I I work hard to be attentive to what I'm saying and stuff, and, and I do recognize also I'm someone who speaks before I think. Uh, that is definitely <laughs> that is definitely my personality. At uh, least it's never got you in trouble uh, in trouble before. So oh no, never, ever, 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 ever. Um, but you know, I say all this too because I want to give people some hope in all of this too. I think because listen, in all of this, I look at it and I see it as a moment of real grace. Because it, it really has been and really is. I have grown as a priest and as a person in all of this in ways I never really even thought possible. Um, those days where it was a challenge to want to even pick up my breviary to pray it or whatever, it, those were, it gave me a sense of, where, okay, now when someone says, you know, I'm really struggling with prayer, okay, I got a bit more something to work with when I'm trying to give advice and stuff like this, right? So God uses this stuff really and truly to draw us closer to him. And it's hard. I think that's the thing. It's like, it's hard for us to really embrace this. We want to run away from it. We want to react. We don't actually want to like just sit with it because 
it is, yes, it is incredibly uncomfortable to sit with it, but we can't accept that God actually can love us in this, right? It kind of, this kind of connects with what we were talking about last week, right? Um, and, I, and I'll be honest, again, I have a natural tendency to recognize God still loves me in this. I may not like experientially recognize it, but I can at least make an intellectual assertion of that. Like, yeah, he's still here. He still loves me. He's not far away. But like that, yeah, when, when we're struggling to pray, or we're, we're struggling to just do anything that day or to keep up with our tasks and we're just feeling overwhelmed or tired or whatever, God is still loving us there. Actually, I would even go so far as to say he's especially loving us there, right? And that he wants to use this moment to draw us to, to himself so that this is where hope is, right? Hope is not, again, wishful thinking, but it's recognizing the presence that Christ is really there with us. He really is victorious. And if he's really victorious... He, he, he's really risen from the dead. If he's really risen from the dead, we are really united to him in the church. And if we're really reunited to him in the church, then he's really with us, dwelling with us, uh, into the mess of everything with us. And to say, and I, I think, mean, yeah, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. yeah. And I think we really struggle when we screw up or when we go into funks or when we sin, there's, we have a natural tendency to focus on the failure aspect yeah. or the time that we'll never get back or regret. Mm-hmm. That's not what Christ focuses on. Mm-hmm. And I always go back to uh, Peter and Jesus after the resurrection. Um, Peter is focused on the past. When Christ asks him, do you love me? He is remembering how he has failed in love. Right. And he can't respond in the same way that Christ is asking him to. Right. But Jesus just goes ahead and says, feed my sheep. Right. He immediately sends him on mission. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most beautiful witnesses of the New Testament is seeing Peter in the Gospels and then reading the letters written by Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you see, if you keep in mind the person that you read in the Gospels, you can see how much the mercy of God has influenced him and changed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way, if Christ redeems us, then he even can redeem the time that we wasted. Yeah, exactly. It's not good that we wasted that time. Just like it's not good that we sinned. Right. It's not good that we murdered Jesus on the cross. That's bad. Mm-hmm. But Christ can actually redeem those things. Right. Uh, and it's it's kind of funny. Um, when I'm preaching about sin or preaching about spiritual struggles or talking to somebody in spiritual direction, and I say this, that, and the other thing, and they're like, oh, that's exactly right. It's not because I can read souls. It's because I've messed up a lot too. I right. get it. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. It's yeah. God has used that to make me a better priest. Yeah. It's not good that I did those things. Right. It's bad. Yep. But Christ can redeem that. And so that can be a really a, a point of hope. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, I definitely screwed up today. Or, man, it's been a bad month slash year slash bunch of years. Uh, Christ can use that to do something good. Mm-hmm. Amen. So yeah, I just want to say all that, uh, and but also, um, yeah, Christ is really with us. He He does not abandon us. He's always with us. So, um, and that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans too deep for words always. So that even in the, like this is the thing, even those times where you're maybe not praying as much as you'd like to or ought to even, um, the Holy Spirit's still interceding for you. And in those, like, Christ went to the depths of hell for a reason. 
right? So, so we'll keep that in mind, you know, because yeah, it's like, and it's like, listen, I know I've got had like a lot of stuff on the go, but it's like, that hasn't been the issue. It's just been, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> it, it was like a CDA, but worse <laughs> almost, you know, it was just like, it was not fun. It was super not. Acedia. Yeah. Super Acedia was like, this isn't even my final form. Exactly. I'm only using 50% of my power Acedia. Someone needs to make like a UGO, whatever anime oh, super Acedia thing me. now. Oh, you're killing me. Oh, that hurt. I hurt my little Dragon Ball Z loving heart. Oh, oh. Dragon Ball Z, okay. whatever, whatever they are. So yeah. So UGO, UGO, UGO. I don't, I don't, I, don't, I never watched any of this stuff. I, that was, uh, those things were a little, a little past me. Like I got, I got when they came mm-hmm. popular, I was too yeah. old for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can never go back to them and like them. Yeah, you I, have to be a like, kid to like a, Dragon like, Ball Z like, or Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, I like think when I was in high school, like when I was in high school, like Magic cards was the big thing, right? So that's what I played. I played a lot of Magic cards, but yeah, yeah. I did a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> We started so super silly, went super deep, and now we're ending super silly Which again. Which is fine. So, yeah. Um, but, um, and hopefully coming forward, like, this is the other thing. I'll just be honest. It's been really hard to think of podcast topics because I haven't really read a whole lot in the last month and a half. <gasps> I've had a ton of books come in and stuff. I've had it, like, it's been hard to even read. But yeah. um, I'm hoping going forward, Nick has given a good topic that I might do in a couple weeks that I think is a good one. And I think I might be able to kind of rejuvenate myself to come up with some more topics going forward, but it's been, it's been tough on all those things. And I know, and listen, I am not, and in saying all this, I also know that people have gone through a lot worse in, in all yeah. this. And so I'm not trying to say, what was me? I'm just trying to say, this is what's been going on and it's not been fun, but Christ is here. Cool. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, please leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, uh, please tell your friends about the podcast and please tell your enemies too because Jesus says you must love your enemies. You can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison. You can find me playing Dungeons and Dragons on the weekends. You can you can uh, contact the podcast, clearly speaking, at gmail.com. That is how many, how many sided dice is that? This is a hundred sided die that i bought that's insane it is and i love it i can't wait to use it does it go up that high in D? for certain things okay. not often it's kind of a useless thing yeah i've seen like the I 20 realize- 30 sided die or whatever but i've never seen this yeah usually like 20 sided die is yeah. one they use a lot yeah but um th- just th- i didn't realize that this hundred sided die is made out of metal so if you can't see it right now and you're just listening on the podcast you can just listen to me dropping it from like five inches off my desk how you're gonna get a workout just rolling that thing? I know, I'm so excited to use it. It's shiny, it's gold. Who needs the gym where you can just roll dice in D and D, right? <laughs> exactly. Nerds everywhere are like, take that, gym jocks. You know. Uh, you can find us clerically speaking at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at clericalpod. Uh, you can email us clerically speaking at gmail.com, and we will see you all next week. God bless. Peace. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>